HR professionals, business owners, and operations at all levels are struggling to figure out what needs to change. Our system has been shocked, practices have been questioned, and conversations are finally happening. We all know there has been a huge shift in what people want. Inclusion and diversity are common phrases, but often misunderstood. Generations are coming together more than ever on what's important. Mental health has been brought to the forefront of everyone's mind. Let's humanize these conversations. Let's talk about what's important for employees to be successful in life and at their job, and how companies can create an environment to allow them to do both. Because successful people will make up a successful workforce. I'm Leanne Lovely. Let's get this conversation started. We have a great show for you today. I've got Lori Goldstein. She has been an employment lawyer since 1984. She has a unique business and perspective representing both business owners and employees through her solo practice. After receiving her undergrad and law degree from the University of Illinois, Lori worked as a management side employment and litigation attorney for two mid-sized Chicago law firms before starting her own firm in 2011. Her advice on workplace rights and issues range from discrimination, harassment, and retaliation to equal pay, leave of absence, and wage hour matters. Lori also drafts, negotiates, and reviews contracts, including employment, non-compete, independent contractor, and severance agreements. Employer compliance audits and training, including sexual harassment training, now required for all Illinois employers, plus administration claims and defense of charges of employment law violation are also a regular part of her practice. Lori also regularly represents and writes on employment law topics. Lori is practical and passionate about helping organizations and individuals achieve peaceful solutions to workplace issues, find closure, and move forward. Giving back to the community is also very important to her. She's held several volunteer and nonprofit board positions, including New Trier High School Board of Education, Governing Board of the North Suburban Special Education District. Lori serves as a board member at Career Resources Center in Lake Forest and currently serves as a board member and co-liaison of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee for EPWNG Professional Women's Network Group and volunteer attorney with the Lawyers for the Creative Arts. She is a member of the American Bar Association and Chicago Bar Association and the Illinois Chapter of National Employment Law Association. Lori is always an active member of North North Shore Law and Trusted Advisors Council. Lori has been honored by several awards, including Super Lawyers Illinois 2016 to 2023, Super Lawyers Illinois 100 Top Lawyers in 2017, 19, 20, 22, and 23, and Super Lawyers Illinois Top 50 Women Lawyers in 2017, 2019 to 2023, rated superb by AVVO and distinguished by Martin Dale Hubble. This is sure to be an awesome conversation, so I can't wait to jump in. Welcome, Lori. I'm so excited to have you join me today. Thank you, Leanne. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. So why don't you start out by telling the audience a little bit about yourself and um, yeah, go from there. Sure. So I'm an employment lawyer. I have been one for 39 years and love what I do. Uh, The first 27 years I spent at two different mid-sized downtown Chicago law firms representing the management side. So working with HR mostly and representing employers. In 2011, I started a solo practice representing employers as well as employees. And all of my employer clients came with me. So it was a good start. And then I had the uh, the newness of representing employees, which was a little scary, mm-hmm. uh, but I love it. And I love doing both sides. It gives me great perspective. I generally get respect from the other side, whichever side I'm sitting on, because I start out by telling them I sit in your seat. So mm-hmm. I'm not one of these scary you know, opponents, and I'm very practical. 
I'm honest with my clients and I just try to get to resolve disputes, get to some resolution so people can get closure, not have to be in court. Uh, I enjoy the variety of what I do, different issues, different situations. As you know, in HR, you could probably write a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's different laws that apply depending on where the company is, where the employees are. No two days are alike. And and I love to do this, um, talk about employment law topics, present, write on them. I'm a big networker, as you are. It's great connecting people. We were connected, which I was so appreciated. And uh, I love to meet people, learn about your stories, find ways that we can connect each other and try and align through our work and services and even through personal uh, hobbies or interests. So uh, that's that's it from a professional side. And personally, I'm a mom of two adult daughters. I'm married to an attorney, the guy I met in uh, law school. So, oh, wow. So you've been married for how many years? It'll be 36 in September. So that's a long time. (laughs) I I love hearing. I love hearing that because, um, you know, today it's it's and I was just saying to my husband, it's sad to see, um, you know, now I'm I'm in my 40s or my early 40s. And it's sad to see, you know, marriages ending. um, And and I, I celebrate the ones that you know, have that lifelong, you know, lifelong bond. We can all hope that it'll right. be a, the lifelong right. bond, right? I was going to say staying power, but I don't know if that's, well, sometimes that's what it is. Well, staying power. I mean, it, I, I, hey, I'll tell you that sometimes that's what it's about. Like, just buckle down and, and go through the storm with each other. Because if you can make it through the storm, then you can make it through anything, right? And definitely being yep. an entrepreneur, being, um, you know, just, Getting through the grind sometimes is is hard, but if, right, you, can, right. if you can make it through the the hardest times, then so right. Anyways, I digress. Um, so you know, I wanted to have you come on because one, I love that you work on both sides because it, I believe that it gives you perspective, right? Um, you know, as yes. a as a recruiter working in the HR industry, um, as a salesperson. Um, that has that that works directly with the companies and being somebody who also came from the corporate HR, I've seen the pains. And then as the recruiter, I also see the pains and the frustrations of the candidates who are experiencing the interviewing process. But I also see why on the employer side, sometimes it takes a long time to make those decisions. So when you're working on both sides of the fence, I I feel like it it can make you a more powerful force at whatever job you're doing because you you understand and you can have empathy. You can exactly. also be smarter and be able to figure out what the other side is doing I suppose too. Right. Right. You so, usually know what, you know, what they're thinking is or you can say to your client, you know, if I were representing the employer, here's what they're probably hearing that this is why they're doing what they're doing and mm-hmm. try and Come to sun and 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 I just said to an opposing counsel today, you know, hopefully we can get to a resolution, which means neither of our clients will be happy because that's what a good settlement is. Mm-hmm. Everyone has to give something up, right? And you know, that's how you reach. I mean, in every relationship, so right, you you give a little bit to ultimately end or get what you want in the you know in the end, really, and and that's what it's a compromise. Right. I think that right. really isn't. You have to be practical. Right. Every relationship isn't. That's pretty much a compromise in some way. You just right. that you know it's you ultimately can deal with that. So, um, well, excellent. So why don't we we dive in? Um, why don't we start off a little bit with you know what? Let's the, the question everybody's asking. So what in your line of work has changed over the last couple of years? I mean, I'm assuming that there has been quite a bit. Yes, many changes. I mean, you know, we all lived through, you know, this new pandemic and how it affects life and how it affects families and the workplace and work. And, you know, we all have still, you know, had the effects of that. The HR people, I mean, I, you know, my employers were so overwhelmed with questions, you know, about what's the right way to do things safely 
legally? What do I have to do? What can I do? And the laws kept changing and, you know, and the laws were new. So we were all navigating them together. I mean, I luckily I have a good group of colleagues who are employment lawyers and we would be on the phone or emailing all the time. How are you handling this? Because the laws come out and then there's a lot of, but what about this? There's a lot that's lost between, you know, between the lines Mm -hmm. and we have to kind of make it up until they come out with regulations or some guidelines that explain what it all means. Right. So we went through that. (laughs) Um, Then there's, you know, the work-life balance that companies learned about. And I, I like that part of it, that companies, employers really were more understanding, managers were more understanding that we all have lives and things happen and we have to kind of be flexible. So there were disability accommodations that became more prevalent, the work from home, hybrid, you know, all these different structures of schedules and locations for work. We dealt with the great resignation. And as a recruiter, you know, Mm -hmm. um, attracting and retaining employees is huge. And I know the numbers, you know, we just got the new unemployment numbers and they're up again for for the country but there's still so many jobs that need to be filled. So I think that's good news. Well, and it's funny, I was just talking to somebody about the, you know, the unemployment numbers and the amount of jobs that are open. And I feel like you can't really just simply accept that as being completely accurate. Right. There's so much more. There's so many. And, and, in the past, yes, I I would have said, okay, these are our numbers. But there's so many more layers that go into those numbers right now. Because right. people are, are on the move and there's retirements and there's so many things that are happening like daily. <laughs> right. And there's more options because right. because of all that. We have more people that are now entrepreneurs. We have more more people, you know, that forming small businesses and becoming uh, new business owners and new employers. Right. So it's a whole new world and a lot of you know, a lot of opportunity. And I think another thing that changed was companies focusing more on the perks and the benefits mm-hmm. for work life balance to attract and retain. Mm-hmm. Parental leave has seemed to be one of the hot hot ones. Absolutely. Parental leave. Um, I mean, more and more companies are going to unlimited vacation for uh, individuals. Right. I never Although, would have imagined that in the past, but they're, I get it. Like they're trying to combat, for me, I mean, what, as of the first of the year, I became an entrepreneur. And right. all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can take vacation anytime I want. Well, not really, because now. <laughs> Right. It's a whole new it's a whole world. right. I'm I'm probably not gonna be taking a vacation without having my cell phone glued to my hand, you know, for the next three years. But you know, the rise of the unlimited vacation for some of the smaller organizations or for some of the larger organizations, depending on the type of business they are. I mean, you still have the manufacturing companies that just can't afford to do something like that. But sure. you know, the rise of of mental health awareness we have the rise and you had mentioned that the rise of parental leave because now all of a sudden people are going wait a second you know the most important thing in my life you're going to tell me that I have to be back a week later or you know just because I'm the dad doesn't mean that my life just changed or what happens if you have a a, you know a gay couple does that mean that because they didn't Physically right, it wasn't a birth time. Right, exactly. Correct. And and these are all things that are now all of a sudden like, hey, wait a second. We adopted. No, n- None of us or neither one of us had the, you know, went through the physical. Why is it about the physical aspect that you're allowing us to recover from? It's not, that's not what it was ever or supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about bonding time. Exactly. And, and I have to ex- explain that to companies all the time when they, they usually they want um, either they want me to review or draft a maternity leave policy or they send me one that says basically the mother gets three months and the father gets two weeks. And I said, no, there's law. I mean, there's cases 
Right. SD Lauder got, you know, he had to settle a big case. You can't, you can't even use primary and secondary caregiver anymore because mm-hmm. you can't really, these days, right. everyone's getting involved. So, right. right. I, who, why, why would we identify a primary and a secondary? Because that all of a sudden becomes discrimination on, well, who determines that? Right. It's hard to determine. And often the, it's just assumed that the female is the primary and Correct. that's, that's discrimination. Correct. And and it's funny that you bring that up because my husband actually shifted his job schedule after we had our child so that he would be um, only working three days a week and staying home with our daughter, you know, two of those days so that we could cut costs on childcare. That makes a lot of sense. Right. So he really became more of the primary and me as the secondary working full time. I mean, so... That's been a great, that's been a great benefit. I was talking, excuse me, to another attorney recently, a partner at a law firm. And she said, not only for female attorneys, but for women in so many industries, the whole pandemic and this hybrid work and the fact that, you know, you can, your husband can be at home or your, your significant other can be at home. And at three o'clock, they can pick the kids up mm -hmm. from school and we can really balance because you don't all have to be somebody downtown every day. Right. Right. It's wonderful. Now, have you seen some companies start to make a shift back to the office? I have. You know, it really depends. I mean, I think the legal industry, for some reason, is being more strict about it than some of the others. Mm -hmm. And then it depends on the philosophy of the people that are there. Okay. Sometimes if it's hard to attract or retain the attorneys or the employees unless you give them work from home or hybrid, mm -hmm. um, that's a factor, mm -hmm. which is too bad. But I have seen it. I've, I've seen some that are either saying we all need to be back at least three days a week mm -hmm. and others that are suggesting it but not requiring it. But downtown Chicago is getting crowded again, but it's still pretty, you know, never what it was. Right. And How about you, where you are? Well, and it's it's... it's Obviously, being in the recruiting world, it's it, it's hit or miss depending on the the company. Some companies are going, yeah, we'll do this 100% hybrid. Other companies are saying, nope, we want the people back in the office. And then there are other companies out there going, we really don't care. The person wants to work remote, have them work remote. But I have seen it more so in it, like an industry if they're – if they have a large amount of workforce that has to work on site, they, they are trying, right. They are trying to bring even the office people in on site as well. And I think that has to do with fairness, right? If you're, right. if everybody on the manufacturing floor is required to come in because they have to be here because that's where the work is, then let's make sure that the office people are also on site to support those individuals. Right. And to me, that makes sense. Like, I agree. I agree. This is a company that has to, you know, function all on site. So let's make it fair for, you know, the people who are on the manufacturing floor to have a presence where if they need to talk to HR, they can walk in and have a conversation with HR. That doesn't mean that that company shouldn't also make accommodations for, you know, an HR person who says, hey, can I work from home one day a week because X, Y, Z. Great. Right. But, you just have to be flexible, but right. be fair and let people have a voice. And mm -hmm. it's good for morale. And right. it's also good for the collaboration and the camaraderie, which I feel like a lot of the younger workers these days don't understand. They don't know what they don't know. And mm -hmm. so they feel like they can work completely remotely, never need to go in and meet with their boss or their team or you miss so much. And I know that having worked in the offices for, you know, years. Some of my best friends now are people that I met early on in my career, whom I met. Be and, and the reason I became so close with them was because I met them in person. We, we, hung, we had lunch together. We met for drinks after work. And that we built that camaraderie at that time. And we learned from each other by bouncing ideas off each other after hours when I was in my young early day career. And I feel like that really helped 
you know, drive me into the next stage of my career. And, and, and part of me thinks, you know, for some of these young professionals, like how are they going to get that learning? Because a lot of that happened after hours. A lot of that happened on lunch. You know, now as a, as a, you know, seasoned professional, I know where to go to get that camaraderie. I go to networking events or I have exactly. friends who are business owners. So I know where to go to get that additional support. But these younger individuals, where did they go? Where, right. If they're working from home, you know, they close their computer at the end of the day, they unplug. Right. They need mentors. They need to be observing too. I mean, it's not, they need to, you know, to be just observing others doing the work or doing or being on a a client call or things like that, where I know there were a lot of times, I mean, it was called FaceTime, you know, as a young attorney, you have to be there, you know, 10 hours a day and on Saturdays. And part of it is, you you know, that's just the requirement but if you're there and a partner walks by and says hey how would you like to come in and to this meeting or you can you work on this project if you're not there you won't get the assignments and you won't have that power right that and that makes sense and it's different for you know industry to industry obviously and and that's the other thing you know as a young i wanted to be seen I wanted to have, you know, the the head of my department walk by and see that I was there, that I was at, you know, grinding and I was, you know, doing the work and I was putting in the hours and I was making things happen. We have a different community of of young professionals coming up and and they see and um ex- are experiencing the professional industry very different than we did. That's true. Well, they're they're all electronic. I mean, right. you know, when I first started, we didn't have really, you know, we weren't on cell phones and, nope. and you really couldn't have a lot of we weren't on Zoom meetings. So no. you were either in person or I guess you were on your, you know, from someone's your house phone to somebody else's. Right. I didn't get my first cell phone until I was an adult. So, I, I mean, and, and I I grew up with what a parent who had, um, you know, a, a car phone. I mean, it was like installed in, and that was like really amazing. It was like, this big, right? right? It was huge. And I, I used to pretend like to talk on it when I was like, I'd pick it up. And, but like half the time it it didn't work. Like they were, you know, you get that, do 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 this color yes. outside the. Right. Exactly. The area. Outside the area. Right. I mean. But yeah, I mean, the only way you could be in front of your manager or was to physically be in the building and right. if they needed to get a hold of you. You had to be at home for them to call you. <laughs> right. That's true. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's not the same. Right. No, it, same. absolutely not. I mean, my first email account, I never, I mean, I checked it like twice or three times a week. Now I have 10 email accounts that I check 20 times a day. <laughs> Right. I know. There's good and bad to all of it. Right. (laughs) We're bombarded constantly with electronic information. Right. So um, this is obviously one of the the hot topics. We just came out of, you know, May, which is mental health, mental health awareness month. I, you know, I'm assuming that this is something clients come to you on a regular basis about how do we handle, you know, one, if somebody in our, at our company approaches us and discloses. And, and also if somebody, you know, has something going on. So, and and it's, I mean, this is just something that people are talking about. I'm assuming that companies come to you and say, how do we, how do we do this? How do we handle it? Yes. All the time. And, And the good thing is usually they want to do the right thing. Um, the companies do, but, you know, they don't know what the laws are, what the requirements are, how you're supposed to handle it, because there's issues of privacy and, you know, who needs to know what and what are, you know, what are the laws that, that, for example, the disability discrimination laws, which people pretty much know you shouldn't discriminate or harass based on a disability, but there's accommodation requirements too. So you're supposed to reasonably accommodate somebody with a disability, if that would enable them to do 
the essential functions of their job. So you don't have to, you know, change major parts of it. But, you know, if a different chair would be better or somebody needs to take Fridays off for kidney dialysis or whatever, you know, accommodations there are, that's something that companies need to deal with. And they saw that a lot during the pandemic because people were asking for accommodations uh, from the vaccine mandates. Mm -hmm. So suddenly, even companies that hadn't dealt with this before were dealing with it. Um, I also see, I mean, the mental health industry is just growing so fast. We have a lot of mental health issues uh, because of the pandemic effects on our society. We have more telehealth now, which is great because there's more access. I think there's more awareness and understanding and less of a stigma on uh, of, for mental health. And a lot of my new employer clients during the last couple of years are mental health practices. They're either small ones that are growing, uh, people that are leaving uh, a company and want to know what they can do with their non-compete or non-solicit and starting their own practice. They're all starting to formalize. So where they were all, all the therapists were 1099s when they probably shouldn't have been, mm -hmm. they know now that they should be making them W-2s. So we do employment contracts, non-competes, employee handbooks, and, you know, they become employers. Right. And I think I've just started to see experts here and there that are providing training either to HR professionals or within an organization so that people know how to deal with mental health issues from both sides, even as an employee. What are my rights? And I get those calls, too. Should I disclose this? What do I need to tell them? Well, you know, I'm afraid I'll get retaliated against. So it's a scary it's a scary situation. It's not easy. It's usually sensitive. So it's hard for both sides. And are you finding that more people are disclosing than not? I think uh, it seems that, that, well, it's hard to tell whether more people are disclosing or there's just more people that have issues, you know, so there's more so you have more disclosures because there's now more mental health issues. But I think I think because of uh, the work-life balance and, again, people starting to realize that this is part of life, people are fine with disclosing. If somebody calls me and starts telling me about a, you know, a toxic workplace and a terrible environment and they start telling me about health issues and seeing a therapist and... There may be situations that aren't illegal at work. It could be unfair and a bully and not because you're of your age or your race, but it's still unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And so I tell them to hang up the phone, call your doctor, ask them what you need as an accommodation. You may need to take time off. You may need a part-time schedule. Do that first. Your health comes first. I had a client who had a heart attack last year in her 40s because of stress from work. And, you know, that shouldn't happen. Right. So people disclose, but others will ask me, do I have to disclose to my new employer? And if you don't need accommodations for a disability, there's no reason to disclose it, in, you know, unless and until you need them. Right. If it doesn't affect work, why does anybody need to know? Right. And that's interesting. But there's also, you know, I've had people who have a lifelong, for instance, um, addiction issue, <clears throat> excuse me, addiction issue. And mm -hmm. it's whether, you know, they, they're, they're fe fearful of, you know, I've been, I've been clean for, you know, four years, but throughout my life, I've had, you know, issues where high stress environments can cause, that, you know, that's relapse. the risk factor where I relapse. Do I disclose to my company that I have, you know, addiction problems so that if and when I do relapse, they're aware because you can't disclose after the fact if you were to get fired because all of a sudden you relapse and don't show up to work. So well, it's kind of like the chicken and the egg situation. What comes first? You know, if you don't disclose and then you get fired because all of a sudden you relapse. Well, at that point, the employer didn't know. 
Right. And you can't say, well, you, you did this because I'm disabled Correct. as opposed. Yeah, they didn't know. So there is that, that sometimes you do want to disclose um, kind of, you know, to use it as leverage. I mean, just because you have a disability or you're over 40 or you're of a certain race, you you know, doesn't mean that you're going to be discriminated against on that basis. But if, you know, if there's no reason, I mean, people are afraid to disclose because it's, there's always the perception or the possibility of discrimination or harassment once people do know. Right. And I don't know why, but people seem to disclose these to their immediate manager, which I say never to do. T- tell HR or whoever is handling HR, your boss may never have to know what you have, what the condition right. is, what the treatment is. All the boss needs to know is HR says or the company says, here's the accommodations we're providing. Right. And that's it. Right. So, and, and you know, for me personally, um, you know, I've learned throughout my my career and obviously as a business owner myself, now I the only person I would disclose to is myself, which I already know. So, but... <laughs> You know, throughout my career with with somebody who had struggled with bipolar disorder, um, and and for most of my career, it was not something that was talked about. It was not something that people were open to discussing or hearing. Um, so my, you know, my was always, hey, keep it keep it quiet. Go mm-hmm. and show the employer that you are fully capable of doing the job. That there is, you know, that I don't need accommodations. That I'm perfectly. And then once I had proven that I was perfectly you know, normal, I guess, you know, and I'm, I'm doing quotation normal, um, you know, if at what point I felt comfortable enough, it was a conversation that could come after of, you know, a confidant at the company, whether that be with HR, or whether that be with, you know, a, a an immediate manager that I had had in a relationship with, you right. know, and say, you know, yep, I do, I do have, you know, a mental health, um, you know, underlying condition. And it was never, that awkward, like I'm like to sit down and tell you about something. It was usually just something that I had gained, they had gained confidence in me and it would be something that would eventually just come out. Um, but it was strange because I, the, the, the reactions that I had gotten over the years were always so different. I'll bet. Just because it was still during a different time in which like people didn't know how to handle it. Right. And they didn't know what it all meant either. Right. I mean, people didn't understand what it meant. And, right. you know, it was just kind of like with uh, oh, with HIV, you know, when that, you know, when AIDS came and everybody was afraid, you know, we can't have people working. Well, it's not contagious in the workplace. Right. You know, it's so you have there's a lot of speculation and disability laws not only prohibit discrimination based on having a disability, also a history of one and just being misperceived as having one. Right. So you may not be disabled, but if somebody thinks you are because you limp, you know, that's discrimination too. Right. 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 But you know, and the only reason that I ever disclosed is because if if I did have an episode, if I did need to you know, and for me it was security because sometimes it was right. all of a sudden I would have an, a complete and total panic attack. Mm-hmm. And people would be like, oh, my God, like call 911. It's like, no, I'm not having a heart attack. <laughs> right, just, right. You know, no, I it's just... good that somebody knows how to right. handle like, like a, in school. You know, you just want them to know this may happen, I, you know, in case of emergency. Correct. You know, and I remember hearing and this is um, just my poor mother. Um, so my mom was she she was she's a manager. Um, she is a manager. I'm not going to disclose the company or whatever, but she was in the middle of an interview. She was interviewing a younger um, a younger person. Now, she coming from knowing, uh, obviously, I have mental health. So she is fully aware of how to deal with somebody with a disability, with a mental health issue. But she's in the interview and she tells she had, had she's a manager. She got called away for a second. Or was he writing his application it doesn't matter anyways all of the sudden she heard this this individual start saying help 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 and she walked into the room and he was having a full-on seizure <laughs> hadn't even gotten to the point of having a conversation to disclose right. and so my mom immediately jumped to action was able to hold him um in a comfortable position so that he wasn't hitting his head or you know right. and and she hired him 
Um, That's great. But, you know, and he afterwards was, you know, humiliated, embarrassed, and, um, but also completely grateful. Like, thank you so much. You know, you, you handled this so extremely well. I'm so, so, you know, I'm so sorry. My mom's like, why are you saying sorry? Like this, it's not a, not a big deal. Like, Clearly. He picked the right person to be the <laughs> to be the manager there. Right, right, and that's great. Right, she's a very empathetic, very um, human person that understands that people are in right. you know come in all shapes, sizes, and right colors right. and everything else. And I feel the same way. I mean, I have a big passion for that. Everybody has their strengths, and mm-hmm. everybody pretty much can do something, can work. And if you can find a good, you know, a good connection between a company and an employee and people are happy and feel productive, right. life is good. Right. And, you know, if more companies were looked at humans as humans and not humans as like, oh, here's here's the next robot coming in that's going to do this job and then go home. And right. It's just <laughs> now when we were talking, you had mentioned something else. You know, you you'd mentioned non-competes. You write non-competes for so this is another hot topic because, you know, yes. the Federal Trade Commission has, you know, had this on their, you know, radar of should or should they not. And because of the state of the world with all of these individuals or all of these jobs open, um, non-competes inherently stop individuals from being able to leave positions to go to competitors or possibly higher paying jobs or start their own business because they right. may be under a non-compete. Do yep. you, do you think that, or I guess one, you know, are they, are they going to go away? Are they, and I know Wisconsin has been a split state. I know California doesn't allow them. There's a right. There's four or a five states that just prohibit non-competes. Right. So Wisconsin is a split state. I know that there's a handful of them out there that will be that won't even hold them up at all. I don't hmm. know what now. You're in Illinois. Yes, Illinois. We have a uh, we haven't had a new law or amendment in January of 2022 that codified a lot of requirements that kind of were. Part, requirements under cases but so we have restrictions you have to have minimum salary they have to um, give you something besides new employment or continued employment you have to get a signing bonus or so there's a lot of hoops to jump through but when people come to me and say non-competes aren't valid are they it depends every you know the lawyer's answer it depends it depends when you signed it where you signed it what state law applies and there's so many different factors so you know i represent both sides from the employer side i can't imagine just doing away with non competes completely which is what the ftc says and the nlr national labor relations board is starting to say similar things i totally understand we don't want to overly restrict people mm-hmm. from doing what they want to do. Um, and you have to give them something if you're going to make them sit at home or not be able to do that same type of job. But how does a company protect, you know, their goodwill with clients and the business they've built? And some the, the some people feel, and I think the FTC thinks that all you need is an NDA, you know, a, non, a non-disclosure. Um, so you can't, you have to keep confidential information. You can't disclose it or use it in other places. Uh, that they think that that is enough. You know, that and some intellectual property clauses. That we don't need a non-compete. And we don't need something that says you can't take our clients for a year or two. I I still think we need them. But I don't think you have to give them to everybody. And I think... People should get something for it. So I'm torn because I'm depends what side I'm on. I represent a lot of individuals now with non-competes that seem to me that they're overbroad. I, it's hard to believe they'll get enforced, but we can never know what court it's going to go to, what that judge is going to think, whether they're going to apply the law that's in the contract from the state, that state, or the law where the employee is working. So there's so many ifs right i can never tell somebody no this is not going to get enforced it's 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 so interesting and and i agree with you if we were to just wipe every single one away <laughs> that would be utter 
chaos. Yes. I mean, I have a feeling that there would be a whole lot of people out there that would be like, like celebrating and running around like crazy, you know, cats, living (laughs) dogs or what is that saying? (laughs) Right. Right. But it's a free for all. Right. It's a free for all. Like, and I, I, I mean, I truly do. It, but I also understand that if we wiped them away completely, it would, it, there, there's the likelihood that it would damage a lot of, you know, companies out there because they have spent a ton of money making sure that, you know, their clients and everybody, that, that all is secure and, and wrapped. However, I'm also for the, the people that and if you really dig into that and you read it and I'm sure you have and you know there are some people who have been locked in to a specific job for a very long time and have have lost the ability to make more money or individuals who have left their industry completely and had to take mass pay cuts to wait out these non-competes Right. And, and and then, you know, a year or two later, years later, couldn't find, you know, an opportunity back where they were. And it it was a detriment to their career. And that I don't believe is right or fair. Right. There has to be a, a balance, really. I mean, I was talking again to an attorney today for a company over a non-compete that my client has. And. He said to me, you know, listen, this guy's in sales. We're not trying to stop him from going somewhere and doing sales, which is what he's strong in. Just don't do it in this industry for a year. He can go to, you know, a healthcare industry and do it. So I think that, you know, for the most part, companies aren't looking to screw their former employees and try to prevent them from, you know, going to places and not getting, uh, you know, doing things that they should be able to do. For the most part, sometimes they do. Sometimes they're unreasonable. They have overbroad clauses. They don't care how much money they're going to spend to, you know, to try and enforce. And the Illinois law now says that if a company sues on a non-compete or a non-solicit and loses, they have to pay the employee's attorney's fees, which was never the case. It was only one sided the other way. Right. Well, and I agree with that, though. I I agree with that. Me too. I completely agree with that. And I also... I disagree with the fact that you you shouldn't be able to kick somebody out of their industry. I I I'm against that. Like if if you've been in especially help, let's say it's medical device sales. If you have and a lot of these individuals who are in medical health device sales or medical sales in some way, a lot of them will have a degree in biology or in science or in something and that's why they like that type of sale. And right. a lot of them know all the players, and that's why they're so successful at it. So to go to that individual and say, sorry, you can't sell in this industry, go sell in something else, manufacturing right. or HR or they're not, I look. But for so, the same reason, that's why the companies are worried and want to enforce is because correct. these people have developed and we're worried they're going to hurt us. They could. So I think it's, I think the compromise is to have the, a year that you can't solicit away the clients yeah. and the prospects that you dealt with. And that should be fine. Go anywhere you want. Competitors understand, okay, we have to keep you away from that right. list for a while, but we want you. Right. I've, oh. I've had clients, past clients call me when I was still under a non-compete and I've actually had to say to them, look, I, I, I appreciate the fact that you're, you're calling me. I really do. And I would love to work with you, but I am under a non-compete and I cannot work with you right now. And, and right. they understand. Oh, yep. Nope. I get it. I completely understand it. And, and, and it breaks my heart. Like, well, I really loved working with this client, but I have to wait it out for a year or whatever that, whatever that is, you know, so they, they do understand. And, and it, that's just, you know, that, that's what it is. But again, if a client really likes working with a specific person, oh, I, I'm split on that. I'm really split on that. Like, come on. Right. It's a good relationship. Well, I have that client that just went through that. And so a lot of the companies have non-poaching clauses with their clients and that's a lot easier to enforce than a non-compete 
and you know, or there and there's a damages clause. So if you're going to take the employee, fine, but then you have to pay us something, and it usually works, and that should be enough. You shouldn't have to necessarily go after the employee right. too. And that, hey, I'm all for that. Like, especially in some of these like really specific industries, I I get it. Like, and I get the I get the confidentiality the non-disclosure, all of that. You have trade secrets that you're protecting. I get that. If this employee is going to go directly to a competitor and try to sell your trade secrets, go after that person because that's right. not right. Right. Like, I, I completely understand that. Um, and if you want to work out a deal with, you know, your competitors and say, hey, you can hire my employee, but that employee cannot take our clients. And if they do, you're going to, you're going to be the one that pays us. Hey, right. But don't stop the employee from thriving for their family because now you're damaging the people and the people are the ones who are buying from you. Right. That's true. That's a good point. What's your experience from recruiting for employers that know that this candidate has a non-compete agreement? And, you know, I've, I've been through those situations where a lawyer takes a look and the company's lawyer says, we think this is OK. We're not worried about it. But a lot of them won't. They just won't touch that candidate because they don't want to get in trouble. It depends on each situation. Um, you know, I've had some some say, yeah, I don't know that we can get past that. I've had others say, yep, I, I think we can work with this. We'll work within the constraints. And, um, you, you know, sometimes even if it's a large company that, you know, the company's in-house attorney will meet with that employee and go over the guidelines of, you know, we'll go to bat for you, blah, 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 providing that you follow right. these rules. Because what I have found is that companies want to do the right thing in in the majority of, the, I don't know that I've ever worked with a company that's, that blatantly gone out of their way to do sneaky right. stuff. In fact, if I found out that they were doing that, I would not want to work with them. Right. I Same here. Right. So uh, companies, I think, you know, inherently want to do the right thing and, and stay within the lines. Um, so I've, I've even worked with companies who will have their in-house attorney meet with that, you know, employee. Do you understand that you're not allowed to do these things? Yes. Great. We'll take you on. You need to follow your non-compete until its end. Um, you know, if, if anything were to accidentally happen, we will go to bat for you, blah, blah, blah. But if you, color outside of these lines you're on your own right um yeah and uh, you know for the most part um unless and i don't think i've ever had any company say absolutely not i've had some companies go this might this might be a deal breaker and i think that ultimately it, the candidate just it wasn't the right fit um and that but that usually gets into really high level right like high level yes, officers yeah i agree yeah. I've, I've had some where the new employer pays the old employer basically to take the employee they buy them out of the contract but yeah. they don't do that for most employees no that's you're talking about like the big the big directors the the very high up um individuals at companies and i'm assuming that that individual also has a contract that they're going to stay at the company for a certain period of time as well Right, right, right. Yeah, I'm talking that about and, Yeah, yeah. We're not going to buy you out if you only come here for six months. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, um, we are coming to time. I could sit here and talk to you forever, but we are coming to time, and I do have a question of the season that I would like to ask you. Yeah. Now, um, what would you change about your job or the practice that people have in your role um, if you could? So, I mean, my job I, is a solo law practice, employment law, which, as I said, I love. I I wouldn't change a thing for the most part. I probably need to delegate more. There are tasks, you know, that I give to a bookkeeper, but I could probably give more to her um, and maybe bite the bullet and hire a virtual assistant. So time management is something I would change about my job. Um, but, you know, I love that I talk to clients directly and they get to talk to me and I'm not, you know, having them, somebody else field the calls. But it's, you know, it does take time. And in terms of changing the practices that other employment attorneys have, um, I wish some were more practical, resolution oriented, more objective and 
you know, focused on the client's best interest, cost sensitive, and most are, you know, that generally leads to better relationships and negotiations and getting to closure. Uh, but some of the, you know, some attorneys have either, you know, been raised differently. They're at firms that would rather litigate than settle and ha- or they have principles. And so, you know, then they play the litigation game or the game where, and, you know, it would be so much nicer to really just be practical, realize, I always say this to the other attorney, our clients hire us because they can't resolve this. So we need to be objective and neutral, you know, advocate for our clients, but they're, they're relying on us to resolve this. So let's be nice to each other. Right. You know, let's be cordial. So that's that's a good experience. And a lot of my colleagues, friends I've met through networking end up being somebody I'm ending up negotiating a severance agreement with or things like that. And again, we are representing our clients and we advocate, but I know I have a good person on the other side who is a good lawyer and, you know, we're going to come to a deal. Right. Awesome. If somebody wanted to reach out to you, um, how would they go about doing that? So they could call me at 847-624-6640. They could reach me on my uh, website, which is lauriegoldsteinlaw.com. And my email address is lori.a.goldstein at gmail.com. Excellent. Lori, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been an awesome conversation. I think we've covered some some great con- or great topics. Um, so again, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It was a wonderful, engaging conversation. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.